Welcome to ASME TechCast, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. My name is Kathy Ciceri, ASME's Member Content Program Manager. Today, we are talking with Jeffrey Perry. Jeff is a software, mechanical, and manufacturing engineer who is the founder of More Than Engineering. For years, he's been working with engineers and helping them map out the necessary skills for becoming a quality leader in the field. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Kathy. I'm excited about our conversation. Okay, so now everyone's life experience is different, and maybe we need to start there. We have a um, you have a history of working in the industry and with engineers talking about careers and leadership issues. So what new life led you to this point today? Yeah, well, like most of us, it's kind of a long story, but in essence, it uh, kind of getting what, to what I'm doing now as a leadership and career expert became an alignment with my skills, my passions, and my interests. I had previously had a wide-ranging engineering experience with my education, mechanical engineering, then spending time in software, moving to product development and manufacturing operations, all while collaborating with electrical engineers, civil engineers, and more. But I had experiences when I was still in the corporate world to work on training and coaching people internally. And doing that work opened my eyes to what I really loved doing, which was beyond just doing some of the technical work, which I really believed in and thought was important, but I really loved and looked forward to those days when I was working with people on making changes towards what they care about, bringing teams together, helping people upgrade their mindsets, helping them level up in their careers, learn leadership development and more. And so now it's an alignment to that I get to do that work with also including all the engineering experiences I have because I get to do this work with all kinds of engineers and technical professionals while also having the increased flexibility to spend time and have cool experiences with my growing family because we have four kids. And so uh, it's been a journey, but it's one that I really believe it has been the right one for me. And I, it's really a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to work with people. And I like to say I get kind of the, the front row seat to helping other people succeed in the work that I get to do. Right. Now, in um, 2023, we have a lot, we hear a lot about employee disengagement and, um, you know, people blame it on the recent pandemic, maybe remote work. So why don't we start there? What do you see as the state of employees and employers' leadership within the engineering community today? Yeah, well, you brought up the pandemic and remote work, certainly we're not going to solve some of the problems that that are going on from that, like debates about remote work or should people come into the office? We're not going to solve that there. There are a lot of voices in that space, and uh, I don't know if that's ever really going to go away. But yes, engagement is low. In fact, the Gallup organization who does worldwide employee reports, their latest 2023 report shows that engagement the level of employee engagement is at 31% in the USA and worldwide, it's only 23%. So only 23% of employees worldwide feel like they're engaged at work. That's not great, right? So this lack of engagement shows us that most employees just simply don't care about what they're working on. They show up to get the paycheck and then they leave. 
Um, that that's kind of all they feel about their relationship with work. It, it's a means to an end, and that and that's fine. It's not like that's a terrible thing, but if we want people to do their best work and really be engaged in that, then that is a, a challenge. And so there's a leadership issue here. This is a crisis of of leadership, but I think this is also connected to there's a crisis of loneliness and a lack of connection in the world at large. Um, but think about some of the fun stereotypes, well, not so fun stereotypes, perhaps, about engineers that they're kind of notorious for um, being antisocial or not wanting to talk with people or work with people, or sometimes just being like, just leave me alone and let me do my work, right? Like, they sometimes engineers get a really bad or negative view of what leaders are all about. Oh, they're just kind of selling out for the business, but the real engineers like do do all the real work, right? But we need to be working together. Great engineering requires collaboration. It requires coordination with each other. And we need to go beyond just the tasks that need to be accomplished to why this is happening. Who's going to be using our products and services and infrastructure that we're creating in the end, right? And it takes us being connected as humans and thinking about other humans to be able to do that well. Let me just paint a, an interesting picture with some more statistics engineers can dig into this data. So a few months ago, the U.S. Surgeon General put out a large advisory that stated that the lack of social connection and loneliness is actually causing essentially epidemic level health challenges and problems right? So things like 50 to 60% of people are report feeling lonely. The effect of loneliness and lack of social connection is equivalent on a health standpoint or mortality rate to someone smoking 15 cigarettes a day with effects on their heart, their immune response, their mental health, dangers of stroke, all sorts of different things. On a financial basis, this isolation that we've experienced through the pandemic and beyond um, costs medical care expenses over $6 billion, and that's just Medicare expenses. But in the workplace, uh, it, they reported that stress-related absenteeism was attributed, that was attributed directly to loneliness costs employers $154 billion annually every year. Uh, trust is low, employee engagement, we've already talked about all these things. And so leadership is certainly about directing the work that needs to be done, right? But it's also connecting the humans who are doing that. Because we, whether engineers like to accept that or not, we're social beings. And connecting at the human level and, and with the people that we're working with is as important for us and our well-being and living great lives beyond just what our careers are as food and water and shelter, okay? And so leaders need to help their teams go beyond just assigning tasks and, and to really promoting connections with the humans they lead. Um, a lot of times this is caused by lack of training, support, clear expectations about what it means to be a great leader because sometimes great engineers just get thrust in to say, hey, go lead this team. Eh, what am I supposed to do? What does that even mean? And, and that can be a problem. That sounds good. Um, so let's uh, go back a little bit and say um, you have to come to a decision. Do you want to be 
technical role, although I, I don't know how many people get to do that, or take on some leadership responsibilities. This could include sales, you know, business development. Uh, this could be a project manager, lots of different ways to do that. So what do you see as some of the big considerations, maybe even the misconceptions when you are uh, considering this decision? And it could be someone, you know, young, or it could be someone in their mid-career, you know, so. Yeah, and just real quick, Kathy, for those, as we continue to go through this conversation, I've actually got a free resource that any of our listeners can go check out. They can go to jeff-perry.com slash 90 days. For those who especially were thinking about going through this transition to become a leader. What does that take? What does that mean? How do we move through that process? A 90-day guide to kind of move through that experience. Then go check that out if this is a... And, and I go in a little more detail than what we can cover here. But there are a lot of misconceptions about considering this decision, You know, the technical path or the leadership path. I, I think one of them is we think that if we make that decision to go one direction, that we can't change and go back right? That's just not true. I've met plenty of people who've gone both directions, you know, as, as technical as they can and, and leadership, and then switch to the other, often multiple times. Sometimes they go back and forth, right? So it's not a forever decision. But yes, decisions do need to be made at different points in our careers if we have opportunities available to us or we're thinking about a career change. And, and absolutely, the focus of where we're spending our time is different in one role versus the other. Um, and so I want to just back up about like the decision itself. This is important to be intentional about where we would like to spend our time in our careers, right? Uh, this, this, because we get to decide what we want to do. No one gets to determine your career goals for you, right? So yes, you need to decide if being a leader is something that you want to do or if being primarily technical is something you want to do. There's not a bad answer either way. It's just a personal decision. And that decision may change at different points in your career. And by the way, just on this idea of being intentional, I'm actually in the midst of writing a book called The Intentional Engineer that should be out in a few months. And so people can go check that out if they're listening to this later. Um, but what happens in a company sometimes is they need a leader to take on some more responsibilities. And so they go and they say, hey, who's the most experienced uh, engineer? And they say, okay, now you're the team leader. Now, is that the right decision? Sometimes, but perhaps not always, right? Like, yes, they're a very experienced engineer, but making them to suddenly lead the team isn't always the right decision. That person may not be ready for that particular change. And it's not just about the person, but also like, how do we support them through that experience, right? They're often just kind of thrust into that role without a lot of guidance other than just lead the team. But what they've really learned and become really good at is how to do great engineering work, which is great, but they haven't yet learned how to be a leader. They can, but it's not just an instant thing that if I'm a great engineer, suddenly I'm a great engineering leader right? Because I, I don't understand how my role shifts. And we can talk about that more in, in a minute. But it's just this conception of the best engineers automatically become the best leaders. That's not always true. But we, we can't just expect that to happen without giving them the support and the training that they need. So that maybe uh, lead us into um, the hurdles. What do you see? Let's say you do decide, okay, I want to go from a 100% engineering role to a 
engineering management role. So I'm going to be doing engineering, but I'm going to also be transitioning, maybe leading a project team, um, maybe, like you said, doing some training of other engineers, that sort of thing. Um, so what do you see as some of the hurdles that I'm maybe I should consider? Yeah, it's a, a great question. I mean, the, the thing that is critical is recognizing that if you're going to move through that transition from engineering to engineering leadership, your responsibilities and the focus of your role is going to be completely different. So instead of doing the work and delivering your tasks and projects and, and the engineering design or development or review and all those things that you were involved in before, you're now enabling your team to do so. Because a lot of times a tendency for great engineers who then become leaders and make that transition is to kind of keep going back to what's comfortable, right? You've done the engineering thing for a lot of years and you're really good at it, right? And so that's comfortable. And so we default back to that's what I want to do. Now, that's not to say that if you become an engineering leader that you're just completely wiping out and never doing engineering work ever again, because that's that's usually not true. Usually as an early leader, you're still doing some engineering work as well. But it just means that many of these new engineering leaders are actually neglecting the leadership part of their work and just keep doing the engineering part, right? So and this is because they want to control everything. They're they're new. They feel this extra weight of responsibility. They want to check off every step. But this often then turns into micromanaging because every single thing that someone on my team does, I need to check and make sure that it's good. Otherwise, that's going to come back on me, right? So consider, is that really helpful? Does that actually build the capacities of the team? Not usually. So just like one example of, uh, someone that I worked with, he was a, a senior engineer. He actually led an engineering um, organization, uh, but but a small one. And and he was trying to scale the business and you know scale capacities, but he kept having team members come in and having clients that they were working on doing their work for. But he kept getting involved in every single step of the project, um, and th this meant to him working. 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And he literally physically burned out because he was working too hard because um, he was trying to do it all. And so he was lost in a sea of meeting and client engagements and doing all this work and, and just the, the crushing weight of all that responsibility, right? When we worked together, we helped him recognize opportunities that he had to shift his focus to enabling his team to take on that work, to help them take ownership of those responsibilities of the clients they're working with, and over time, remove himself from those. Not that he wasn't keeping the standards of the work very high, but that he was actually enabling his team to take on more responsibilities because when he was holding it back himself, he was actually holding his team back. And so our responsibility as leaders is to give that up in an effort to actually enable and grow people. Because if we just keep doing it ourselves, we're actually limiting the opportunities for other people to grow without us. So that sounds like that some people are just naturally born leaders or something and other people maybe need to learn. Is that possible? I mean, like some people need some 
they feel like they're going to give up and say, you know, that's just not for me. Can they learn and train to be, to find those skill gap and become a good leader? Yeah, absolutely. Like leadership, this idea of leadership being a born trait, like leaders are born, that's a myth and it's completely unhelpful, right? Uh, and and certainly we we all come with like certain tendencies and natural abilities and skills. So certainly like maybe some people have some natural tendencies, but to think that we can't learn it is is a very fixed idea. Uh, we could get into mindsets and fixed mindset or growth mindset and all that stuff. Where if I feel like I'm not naturally just immediately a good leader, then something's wrong with me. I'm not born to be a leader, so why even bother? That that's just not true. It's not helpful. It's something that can be learned. You can learn the skill of leadership just like you can learn the skill of engineering, right? Why not? Um, but if we're talking about like identifying those gaps in our skills and then going through the process of learning and being able to implement the skills to be great leaders, there are a lot of different directions we could take. Certainly there are assessments we can take to identify gaps. There are, there are books we can read, trainings we can take and whatnot. But one thing that's often neglected as we're sort of going on this path is finding ways to get honest feedback from those who know us best, right? Sometimes we just need to kind of look in the mirror ourselves or have someone else who knows us well kind of hold that mirror up to us to, to get some of that feedback. Just a personal story in my own leadership journey early on in my my first leadership role. Um, I was I, I had a team of about seven people and I was um, trying to do my best, but I was also early in the start of my uh, an MBA program. And the first semester we took a class and um, as part of that class, they admit, we administered uh, what's called a 360-degree uh, assessment or, or feedback survey. And so I had my whole team, I had some peers that I worked directly with, and I had some of my leaders, about 12 or 13 people that gave me anonymous feedback. I didn't know who said what. But it, they asked a bunch of questions. I got rated on a bunch of different things, and there was open-ended feedback and, and responses. But one of the very clear themes that came through in that assessment was that Jeff isn't good at listening. <laughs> I would cut people off, or when they did share something, I would just say, yeah, but that disagrees with what I want to do, so we're going to do what I want to do anyway, and all this stuff. And the tough thing about that was that that was against what I thought I was doing and what I wanted to do as a leader. I wanted to listen to people well, and I wanted to consider them. I wanted us to come together as a team, but clearly my actions were not in line with that, but I was unaware of that, right? And so that was a hard pill for me to swallow. But in receiving that, I then had a choice, like, am I going to get all defensive about this? Or Am I going to accept this as an opportunity for me to get better and learn and grow in service of the team that I'm leading here? And so I, I tried to do the best I can to ask them to help me be accountable, to keep continuing to learn and grow. We put the word listen on my computer and our whiteboard area. And I asked them, if I'm ever cutting you off or not listening, I hope that you'll let me know. And sometimes they did, right? Because that was my intent, but I wasn't going to be perfect, but they were helping continuing to help me 
be better at that. And it was a beautiful thing. And I, and I tried to validate that when they did that and said, yes, you're right. Let me take a step back, shut up, take a few deep breaths and just listen. Right. And, and so um, we could talk about all sorts of different ways to do that. But if we're talking about identifying those gaps and skills, asking the people who know us well to, to hold up that mirror and then saying, Hmm, how can I improve that? And asking them to continue to hold you accountable through that process as you move through that shift and change. So it really must be a process. So we, how do I begin? Let's say I've decided I really want to seek leadership positions and more responsibilities. So, you know, you hear a lot of things, mentoring, coaching, training, skills, you know, assessment. So what do you suggest I start? Yeah, so all those things are good to do, right? But the biggest thing to do before you jump into whatever training or getting a mentor or coach or anything is to make the decision. Do you want to lead, right? Uh, if you do, then it's sort of a, this commitment to, to being a leader and recognizing that now, whether or not you have a title that identifies you as a leader, you can still take leadership actions to be helpful. So we could talk all sorts about servant leadership and how we can serve people and be be helpful and mentor others even if we aren't in like a formal leadership position uh, we could do a whole other podcast on that but um, instead of just like jumping into let me get training on on the skills of a leader and, and everything i would even go another step back as well and say we need to be able to shift our mindsets around how we approach people and the team because a, a lot of trainings are really good at saying, hey, here's all the skills and all the actions and behaviors you need to do. But what we neglect sometimes is recognizing that our mindsets, which is more about how we, what we believe about ourselves, believe about the world, how we approach problems and challenges and opportunities, our mindsets drive our behaviors and our behaviors then drive our results. So instead of just kind of prescribing, here's all the new things you need to do, here's all the new behaviors you need to do as a leader, like that's okay, we can recognize those things and learn them, but what are the new leadership mindsets that we need to have that are going to drive those behaviors in a sustainable way? Because sometimes if we just prescribe behaviors, say, I'm going to do this, this, and this new, but our mindsets are still back where they were, then it almost pulls us right back to where we were. Like we are talking about like just going right back to engineering work because that's comfortable. That's what I'm used to doing, right? Um, the other thing I would absolutely say that, that every leader should, should learn uh, is we're talking about feedback and, and things is finding ways to create psychological safety within your team. This is more about your team is willing to speak up, to take risks. Um, and, and that's what I was attempting to, to build there when I asked them for that feedback and then asked them to help hold me accountable. Every time I, when they would speak up and I validated that I was grateful for them doing that, they felt safe that they could do that again, right? Whereas previously, if they brought something up and I was cutting them off and not accepting that, it was actually decreasing their willingness to, to speak up, right? Um, but as new leaders or, or even as experienced leaders, you don't have to just pretend like you know all the answers, right? We need to collaborate with, with everyone. Um, and some of the best feedback and coaching that you get are going to be from those that you lead. So they need to 
feel safe to bring things up and you need to enable them to uh, to bring those things up. So, um, and, and obviously I'm also a little bit biased. I would say you need to find some people. Uh, I, I highly suggest getting some sort of mentoring or, or coaching approach because training sessions are good. You can do that with a group of people and you get kind of general knowledge, but finding ways to apply it specifically to you often becomes much more personalized when you do identify and get that really focused feedback and, and support from a mentor or a coaching relationship that can help you say, hey, identify some of those gaps and then say, what do you need to do? What are those mindsets that you might not be aware of? Someone to hold up that mirror for you in, in ways that are going to be in support of you. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different things there. I say, make the decision, decide to change your mindsets, um, work on psychological safety, and then certainly get some mentoring and coaching to help you. So it looks like we have to call it there. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. Thank you for talking with us and good luck going forward. Any thoughts you want to add before we uh, sign off? Yeah, so just as a reminder, um, if, if people want to go dive into this subject a little bit more, they can grab that free resource, a 90-day leadership guide. Uh, at jeff-perry.com slash 90 days. And also go check out my book on developing an intentional career uh, for engineers called The Intentional Engineer that's going to be out this fall. So looking forward to that. Thanks, Jeff. And of course, thanks for everyone for, in our audience for listening. If you'd like to hear more great conversations on a wide range of engineering topics, please subscribe to ASME TechCast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. I'm Kathy Siri. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>